The DPP's Lai Qingde and Xiaobi Kim have registered for the 2024 presidential race. Lai said their candidacy represented hope for Taiwan's future, stressing that the world was closely watching the election. Lai said he and Xiao represented the right people to put Taiwan on the right path, a path that would not return to the One China framework. Emerging from the car, DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde and his running mate Xiaobi Kim raised their arms to greet supporters. On the second day of registration for the presidential race, they became Taiwan's first ticket to appear before the Central Election Commission. We both have a strong sense of duty to our country. We represent hope for the future direction of our country, Taiwan. Lai said it was time to choose the right people to take Taiwan down the right path. He said his goal was for Taiwan to be seen internationally. Geopolitical changes, Taiwan's security and peace in the Indo-Pacific have received a lot of international attention, and so this election is being watched by the whole world. The two of us will do our utmost to keep Taiwan on a steady path, to go international, to face the future, and to not go back down the old path of one China. Holding their registration form, Lai and Xiao posed for photos. Each was wearing a badge featuring a cat and a dog, symbolizing the union between Xiao, a self-proclaimed cat warrior, and self-professed dog people like Lai. <laughs> Lion Xiao were Taiwan's first pair to register for the 2024 presidential race. The two will now embark on separate campaign trails. Xiao's first event will be in Hualien, where she represented the DPP for 10 years. A day before the DPP's Lai Qingde registered for the election, he was featured in Time magazine in an article titled Taiwan's Presidential Frontrunner Faces a Balancing Act with China. The piece starts out by noting his simple upbringing in Wanli, New Taipei, a small coal mining town. Speaking to Time magazine, Lai said the DPP will maintain Taiwan's sovereignty without, quote, endorsing the fiction of reunification. Vice President Lai is a son of a coal miner. He came from very difficult and impoverished circumstances, but that made him grow up. The article mentioned his approach to cross-strait affairs. Of course, he's committed to safeguarding Taiwan's sovereignty, freedom and democracy as he considers future directions for cross-strait and international relations. Representative Xiaobi Kim's performance in Washington was commended by the New York Times, which called her one of the most influential ambassadors. The Lai Xiao pairing underscores the fact that this ticket is a continuation of President Tsai's policies, which have given Taiwan a greater sense of pride on the global stage. According to Japan's Nikkei Asia, Xiao is an asset to the DPP's campaign as she brings international experience and political acumen. Michael Cunningham, a researcher at the Heritage Foundation's Asian Studies Center, told Nikkei Asia that Xiao is respected in both Taipei and Washington. He said that by having her on the ticket, Lai is signaling that if elected, he will follow President Tsai Ing-wen's moderate path rather than shifting into a more radical direction. 
Japan's new representative to Taiwan, Katayama Kazuyuki, has taken his post. The representative office shared a video of Katayama who introduced himself in Mandarin Chinese. The 63-year-old has more than 40 years of experience in Japan's foreign ministry. He wrote his master's thesis on Taiwan's democratization. DPP lawmakers applaud his appointment, saying they look forward to Taiwan and Japan growing closer in the years ahead. Outgoing Japanese representative to Taiwan, Izumi Hiroyasu, waves goodbye to the camera, making way for the new envoy. This is Izumi's successor, Katayama Kazuyuki. In a 30-second Q&A, Katayama responds using Chinese. It's part of a one-and-a-half-minute video posted to the Japan Representative Office's Facebook page. Internet users flock to the comments section to welcome the new de facto ambassador. His previous post was Japan's ambassadorship to Peru. Perhaps through his connections and insight, Katayama may be able to secure Peru's support for Taiwan's CPTPP bid. According to the lawmaker, Katayama may be able to help Taiwan join the CPTPP, or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. At 63 years old, Katayama has just completed a three-year stint as Japan's ambassador to Peru. He has more than 40 years of experience in Japan's foreign ministry. He studied abroad in China and the U.S., where he wrote his master's thesis on Taiwan's democratization. Katayama says he's fortunate and honored to be assigned to Taiwan, saying it was close to Japan both geographically and diplomatically. He will definitely inject vitality into Taiwan-Japan trade, tourism exchanges and international relations. In picking a Taiwan expert for the post, Japan appears eager to deepen bilateral ties. DPP lawmakers applaud the appointment, saying they look forward to the two sides growing closer in the coming years. Today, we take you to meet Chi Pao brand founder Yogi Ma. She's launched a line of Chi Pao sportswear inspired by Taiwanese culture. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang caught up with Ma to discover her take on this classic garment. This chi pao is inspired by Taiwan's blue and white rubber sandals. It can also be worn while working out. Other chi pao's in this collection are inspired by the black-faced spoonbill and mullet row. These chi pao's were designed by Yogi Ma, a Taiwanese entrepreneur. The chi pao's are made of Taiwanese fabric and can be worn during workouts due to its stretchy material. Ma says these chi pao's were created to not only be stylish, but to be worn on a daily basis. We have a lot of memory about chi pao. It's, the pattern is always flowery, but I think uh, we can have a little twist and to give some, to leave some memory for the Taiwan, our generation. And, and in Taiwan. A lot of people thought that 
uh, chi pao or Chinese dress is not very comfortable. So we thought uh, we we think that Taiwan is really good at the functional material fabrics. So we co-work with a local Taiwanese maker uh, manufacturers. This kind of fabric usually for sports use, sports dress, sports outfit. So we use uh, the chi pao cutting and with this material, so it's stretchable that uh, the modern ladies can wear it very comfortably and they can just move whatever they want and you don't need to be like uh, very stiff like the old fabric. Ma graduated from Domus Academy in Italy and Shijian University in Taiwan. Prior to launching her Chi Pao brand, she was a brand marketer and designer for over 20 years for international fashion and design brands. In 2015, she launched a Facebook group after discovering that the Chi Pao industry was in decline. And I realized this industry is actually disappearing and dying. So I I, I, I heard a lot of, of their feed, the Chipao lovers feedback and I think that a lot of people like Chipao but they have a, some misunderstanding about Chipao like uh, they thought a lot of people can wear Chipao because they are in good shape or um, it's not very convenient, it's not very comfortable and or they think it's really old-fashioned look or sometimes over-sexy look. But this all, I think it's all misleading by some kind of media. To promote Chi Pao's as everyday wear, she launched her own brand in 2020. She not only sells the brand's own made-in-Taiwan Chi Pao's, but also sells hand-selected designer Chi Pao from overseas. Do some research and travel to China, Hong Kong, even Southeast Asia, and I found a lot of new cheaper designer nowadays they are actually you know, creating some new cheaper is modernized, is young look and fashionable. Uh, at the same time, they are very easy to move and uh, for everyday life. So I decided to uh, start my own brand and to support these uh, designer and the new uh, Chipao makers, and I also have my own collection. She arranges events every month where women wear Chipaos while participating in activities such as yoga, tea ceremonies, and wine tasting. Having launched her brand during the pandemic, Ma said she had to overcome many challenges and get creative with her marketing. I had a I have a concept of uh, Chipao marathon, which is what we are doing the Chipao run. And um, we starting uh, our company in 20, year 2020. Then we we found the, uh, the 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 association to work with in 2021. Then we actually hold the Chipao Marathon Chipao Run in year 2022. So that we are very happy uh, that a lot of people just saw Chipao in a different way that. They were, they were all very surprised that Chipao can do something else. Ma hopes to break the notion that Chipao's can only be worn for special occasions. And as she continues to promote Chipao for everyday wear, she also hopes to preserve the tradition of the ancient garment and support other Chipao designers. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhen Chenluo in Taipei. U.S. chipmaker NVIDIA is about to release its third quarter earnings and traders have big expectations. During Monday's trading session, anticipation drove NVIDIA shares to an all-time high of 504 U.S. dollars. 
As a result, the wealth of company founder Jensen Huang has soared to 43.5 billion U.S. or 1.37 trillion NT. He is now the world's 27th richest person, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Through the market, as investors bet big on the future of AI, Nvidia shares are up over 200% so far. The market already anticipates an astounding financial report. Ahead of the report's release, capital rushed into Nvidia, sending shares surging. This has pushed up the net worth of Nvidia founder Jensen Huang, who holds a 3.6% stake in the company. So far this year, NVIDIA has been the best-performing stock in the S&P 500, outshining tech giants like Meta and Tesla. The semiconductor company's shares are up more than 230% year-to-date. Investors have flocked to the stock based on its dominance in graphics processing units, which power AI products like ChatGPT. Taiwanese-American Tiffany Chang was crowned the 35th Miss Asia USA last Saturday in California. A student at Stanford University, Chang not only won the title, but also awards in four categories, including audience choice and best evening gown. She proudly showcased her heritage during the contest, even greeting the audience in Taiwanese. She says she competes in beauty pageants to bring awareness to Taiwan. Now we have these top two. On one side, Taiwan. On the other, China. They were the last two standing at the 35th Miss Asia USA competition. Miss Asia USA 2024 is Tiffany Chang Taiwan! And it was Taiwan's Tiffany Chang who took the crown. In the pageant's 35-year history, Chang was the first contestant allowed to represent Taiwan. She showcased the Taiwanese language on stage, proudly proclaiming her heritage. In addition to the title, Chang won four other awards, including Miss Popularity and Best in Swimsuit. Chang is 20 years old and a second-generation Taiwanese-American. She majors in Management Science and Engineering at Stanford University. She says she's driven to compete in pageants in order to promote Taiwan as an independent country. As we raise our voices together, bringing awareness to Taiwan's role in the world. The urgency for maintaining the strength of our Taiwanese identity and the beacon of freedom shining should not and cannot be understated. In 2022, Chang won the Miss Taiwanese American pageant held in Los Angeles. She's met with former representative to Washington Xiaobi Kim. She's also taken part in events promoting Taiwan-U.S. ties. Back in April, Chang emceed at a reception for President Tsai Ing-wen, who was transiting Los Angeles. In August, she attended a banquet for Vice President Lai Qingde in San Francisco. Wearing a wide smile and a Taiwan sash, Chang is decorated with yet another title. She hopes that, in her own way, she can continue to bring Taiwan into the global spotlight. The northern city of Taoyuan made a splash in South Korea with its champion beef noodles. Master chefs from Taoyuan were invited to cook on-site at a ramen festival in Gumi, South Korea. They served up a special fusion dish featuring a traditional Taiwanese recipe and Gumi's famous noodles. Gumi is home to the world's largest factory of a best-selling instant noodle brand. The city makes more than 3.6 million packages of ramen a day, establishing itself as a hub of noodle culture. 
chunks of beef are stewed to tender perfection. Chewy ramen noodles soak up the rich red braised soup. Every bite bursts with flavor. This is authentic Taiwanese beef noodles made using South Korean ramen. Big hit at the festival. Gumi's ramen is especially springy, especially chewy. Pair that with the wonderful ingredients from Taoyuan, Taiwan, and with the recipe of us Taoyuan chefs. Altogether, you've got Gumi Taoyuan culinary diplomacy, and the flavors that come out of that are exceptional. Taoyuan-based master chefs Chen Guoxing and Chen Daofeng brought Taiwanese beef noodles to a ramen festival in Gumi, South Korea. Gumi and Taoyuan became friendship cities in 2016. During the pandemic, Gumi donated 30,000 face masks to support Taoyuan's COVID fight. This August, a Gumi art group performed at Taoyuan's 2023 Hakka Expo. Other festival highlights included a high-octane performance by cheerleaders, classic Vietnamese pho, and Japanese ramen. Home to the largest factory of an iconic instant noodle brand, Gumi hosted a celebration of diverse ramen cultures. Today, we take you to meet the founder of a Western chess club in Taiwan. Gregory Shenkowicz moved to Taiwan five years ago. Since then, he's been a tour guide, YouTuber, and a chess teacher and now he's founded a Western chess club in Taipei. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang caught up with him to find out more about his club. Did you start the clock? Yes, here is also checked by the queen. We have very fast check. Four moves. Press the timer and the chess game begins. Gregory Shinskevich guides me through a game of chess and teaches me how to win in just four moves. Skinkevich founded his Western chess club in October. At the entrance, there's a wooden clock and tournament-sized pieces imported from Poland. Wooden chessboard with very classic analog uh, wood, uh, chess block. Walk farther in and you'll see four tournament-sized tables and an electronic clock. All the pieces are weighted. 18 players can play here at once. In addition, there is a projector that is used for solving chess puzzles and playing chess positions on a big screen on the wall. Skinchevich renovated this space himself. The beginning was very difficult because when I rented this place, it was completely abandoned. This room was not in use for like six years. It was completely dirty. I had to move a lot of trash from here. I had to repair walls. I had to paint walls to change floor, change light, change air conditioner, really everything. So it took me three months to repair all the, all the facilities here and to equip this, this room. There is two, two types of classes. One is a 101, when we play just with one student, and it's uh, on place and also online. Uh, besides that, it's also group classes, and group classes is only on place here. Kintevis grew up in Poland. He started playing chess when he was eight years old. He moved to Taiwan five years ago and has since been a tour guide, YouTuber, and chess teacher. He hopes that through his chess club, he can train up-and-coming chess stars and help them shine on the international stage. That's, that's a big goal, I would say. It's even my dream to find uh, new students which can start chess from, from the beginning. Of course, I can also coach those who already have chess knowledge. But I think um, the greatest is when someone completely new is, is coming and you start from, the, from, zero, from zero point and then can go to tournaments and see some successes. I have to say, I have few very promising students which started playing chess uh, with me and I believe this goal is completely doable. 
at least in Taiwan. And I started to import handmade wooden chess. The, the set we, we see here is completely handmade. It's a, it's a cherry wood. It, this wood even smell like a cherry here. And for me it's very important because I don't want to promote the chess as a game only, but the chess as a culture. But when I was looking for the area where I can open my studio, the most important for me was to be somewhere in the center of the city. As a YouTuber and tour guide in Taiwan, he brings his patrons to hidden gems in Taiwan. His videos are in Polish because he wants people in Poland to see the beauty of Taiwan. And first of all, I started my YouTube channel here to show Taiwan to Poland because this country is pretty unknown in, in Poland, so that was the first step. And after that, I started to getting messages from people who are visiting Taiwan and asked me, hey, can you show us the city? And I was thinking like, okay, why not? And that led me to my first spin of job here when I started to be a tour guide. The only one Polish-speaking tour guide in Taiwan, so I, I got the niche. And I'm still guiding in, in ta Taiwan, Taipei and other cities too. In fifth year in Taiwan already, I feel nice in this country, in this area. I like the convenience of life here, because even living in Taipei, which is a big city, it's enough to take MRT and be at the sea in one hour, or one hour to be in the mountain area. So uh, I believe, despite being a small island, Taiwan has a lot to offer, and I still want to discover more. Having lived in Taiwan for five years, Skinchevich hopes to continue introducing Taiwan to the world and to promote chess. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhen Chen Luo in Taipei.